0: Cancel culture aims to cancel all of culture, not just some of it. That's it, A. You can see that the real project isn't just the removal of a statue or the baudelarising of a book or the destruction of anything that connects people to a history beyond the last TikTok video they saw. Cancel culture aims to cancel all of culture, not just some of it. That's it, A. That's not an accident. It's not a side effect. Everything that's meaningful about the human condition... Not just what's contained in culture, but in human scale relations is is inimical to the technocratic model of an efficient managerial society informed by advancement in machinery and in computing. That's what technocratic managerialism is. It's simply the dreams of managers, as laid out in Joseph Burnham's 1941 book, The Managerial Revolution, altered by rapid advances in computing power. There was a French thinker. Uh, forgive me for mentioning this, because it's always uh, problematic to talk about intellectuals. But Jacques Ellul deserves a mention because he wrote a book called *La Technique*, or the Technological Society, in which he mentioned some of the dangers of our increasing reliance upon this. Now, uh, again, you know, to speak of another Frenchman, Jean Paul Sartre once uh, remarked in one of his books that. The the result of the working class being exposed to increasing levels of intrusive technology was that their very dreams would be dominated by machines. In fact, he wrote a passage in which he spoke about a housemaid, and he said, even when she dreamed, she dreamed of the machine. The point is, is that the accelerating integration of human identity with technology is not augmenting our human experience. It is altering it. In fact, it's dissolving it into pixels, if you like. People are becoming a function of the technology they use rather than having it serve their own needs. This mirrors exactly what's happened with managerialism, which was invented initially as an instrument of mankind, but which has made mankind its own tool. So the technology that informs managerialism is a technology that is altering the human dimension and collapsing it into one dimension from many. This is the nightmare vision of the technocratic future. And it's one that's represented not just by large-scale bureaucracies such as the failing and happily failing World Economic Forum, but by the people who genuinely do run the world, people who have preferred to remain in the shadows until now, people like BlackRock and people like Vanguard. Now, hopefully, having moved into the light, it is very unlikely, in my view, that they will be able to survive this exposure. Because they have, like the neoconservatives, like many of the technocrats, the rulers, they have rather haughtily dismissed the uh, matter of public opinion as an irrelevance. I don't think it will remain irrelevant for long. People are beginning to understand what these ideas mean when they come together, which shows the enormously hearty example of the Dutch farmers. Uh, Last year, they didn't exist as a political force. But as a result of the World Economic Forum-inspired measure to close down thousands of their farms, destroying the world's second greatest exporter of food, and therefore destabilizing the world food market, as well as removing the livelihoods and land by force of much of the Dutch farming sector, because these people had human-scale relationships that still existed, because they had strong communities that exist outside the digital world, They managed to build very quickly a formidable political uh, and demonstration fueled opposition movement, which has moved into second or even first place in Dutch politics. In several months' time, there will be an election in Holland, which they're expected to win. They're at least expected to win in a sense that they'll have a controlling interest in the new government. They may even come first. So there is hope for us all. These projects that these people have for us are not unstoppable. And the fact that they do produce instability does not work in their favor. The policies of the World Economic Forum's chief stakeholders probably explain their absence from the World Economic Forum's meeting because it would be profoundly embarrassing for them to turn up in a meeting that is ostensibly devoted to naming and shaping the future masters of the world. These so-called masters have made a terrible mess of the contemporary world and it is perhaps for this reason that they're absent from their from their showcase because what they have to sell us isn't particularly appealing anymore. To be honest, the message of reality is breaking through the propaganda machine. It is an unwelcome message, but it is one whose unwelcome nature is necessary to the degree in which it's true in order to awaken people to the reality of this crisis as against the unreality of every other one, which has been
1: used as an instrument to mold you to the will of your would-be masters. It certainly seems like the agenda is to deindustrialize, to be, to basically, it, it's a false plan. There will be no service economy when you have no funds to keep it going. Hello, dear LifeSite family. The very first Christmas was a dark time with the world in the clutches of a foreign and hostile power and with religious leaders betraying God and their flocks at every opportunity. But yet it was in that very time that the angels joyfully announced to the shepherds the birth of the long-awaited Messiah, the Holy One of Israel, Jesus the Christ. And we are in very similar times again. Millions of people worldwide are searching for truth and light as our fragile world seems to be growing darker by the day. Our work at LifeSite News results from an unwavering trust in our holy call to evangelize, to bring the world the truth, ultimately the fullness of the truth himself. At LifeSight, we pledge ourselves anew to boldly ring out the truth of Christ on life, faith, family, and freedom. We're in the midst of our second annual Gifts of Gratitude Christmas campaign and invite you to join us in celebrating LifeSight News' special way of sharing reflections and reactions directly from the heart about what truly motivates us here to work for you on the front lines of the culture war. So during our Christmas campaign, we must raise $750,000 in order to meet the minimum amount required to keep our news mission and operations going. So we rely on your gracious help and support to keep our truthful news mission going especially as we close 2023 and embrace the lean and early winter months. This is our largest goal of the entire year, and one that requires each of you to prayerfully consider a donation. Please know that any amount helps. To give your own personal gift of gratitude, you can donate by clicking on the big red banner at the main homepage of LifeSite News or the giving link that can be found below in the video description box. It is only through your love, prayers, and generous support for our mission that we are able to continue reporting the truth without compromise. This Christmas season, let each of us do what we can to be the light that we are called to be in this culture of darkness and so we can enable the truth himself to shine ever so brightly as a result. So I want to thank you so much for your unwavering support and continued prayers for LifeSite News. And I pray you have a happy and holy Christmas. May God bless you.
2: It's meant to work on the very same thing that caused our parents to fall, our first parents, pride. An active alliance between human beings and the demonic. That's what they're all about. the ultimate promised land is heaven but to to bridge that gap between the infinite creator and the finite creature you need grace you need your soul needs to become a temple and so the christian mysteries end up supplanting and destroying really uh, defeating the pagan mysteries um while well, freemasonry sees itself as a restoration of these pagan mysteries that's what many of them say now Another point that Leo Thirteenth and Monsignor Dillon make frequently is that not every person who's a Freemason, especially the lower levels, it's not like they know about all this. This is, it's it's, and many of them have been suckered. Frankly, that's what essentially what they say. And so the reason why they want to restore these pagan mysteries is because it's the pre-Christian system in which man was finding salvation in some faux attempt to be like God, which is what Satan had tempted us into in the first place.
1: That we do see. I mean, that is rife today with uh, different indigenous movements and back to the earth and the mother God that we hear about from a lot of our own spiritual leaders. Uh, unbelievable, the whole Pachamama scandal and all these things. But they are very much going back to a pagan worship. I remember I was um, here in Canada when Pope Francis came to Canada and they had the the witch doctor, shaman guy, you know, blowing... Uh, bone-whistled in four directions while, you know, the 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 Catholic clergy there had their hands on their chest, eyes closed, but literally saying, you know, uh, I want to ask the grandmother of the West or something like that, the Western direction, to open the circle of spirits to come and join us here. That sounds to me like exactly like what you're talking about, like a, a kind of pagan former thing that existed before, but it's trying to be brought back in, not only to secular culture where It's coming on strong there, too, but also even into the church.
2: I'm not going to cite the sources I've read. You know, my spiritual director always knows about it, and there have definitely been some sources where we're like, nah, let's not go there. Uh, These things, we need to be very careful about these things. But I essentially became convinced through my study of this topic, uh, Masonic sources themselves, that the essence of what they were doing was an like i said before a reestablishing i guess you could say of an active alliance between human beings and the demonic that's what they're all about um and i the another way i phrase it in the book is you know <clears throat> the difference between the catholic faith and occultism is we believe our souls need to become a temple for the divine and we can expel the divine if we purposely choose to sin uh they believe the divine is already within us another way that i think is helpful to think about it is we believe We can only be saved by by being incorporated into the second atom. They believe you can be saved by remaining in the first atom, nature bereft of grace. And so that's why there is a sort of magical approach to nature among all these movements, because they really do believe the divinity is already latent within nature. They don't believe that that infinite gap requires grace to be bridged. And so that's what all this supposedly secret knowledge is about. And that's frankly, you know, I actually in law school, somebody tried to recruit me to the Masons and I was very tempted. I was a Protestant at the time. Now, Masons never say, will you join up? They don't do that. Their policy is they will wait for you to ask. Because when you ask, there's already enough curiosity and probably vanity and pride that's been stirred up to get you to ask in the first place. I mean, I mean, my goodness, I grew up watching National Treasure, like this idea of being part of the secret fraternity that exercises, you know, control, punching way above its weight, whatever, That's that appeals to all sorts of vanity and pride and whatnot. So fortunately, I didn't do it. Something was holding me back. Um, and the guy who was asking me seemed like a decent guy in many ways, but and but then I got back home to California after law school, and uh, the People's Republic of California, as we call it, and uh, and then another man who I met, who was a very senior leader in Freemasonry, he also was started to meet with me, and I hadn't quite become Catholic yet, but I I was beginning, I hadn't read Monsignor Dillon, but I begin was beginning to read all this sorts of stuff. So I I think this this whole idea that if you have this certain gnosis that you kind of access this mystical knowledge of nature. Um, at the higher levels. I think it, it it's meant to work on the very same thing that caused our parents to fall, our first parents, pride. Uh, you shall be as gods.
3: Stalin famously said that he was the engineer of souls and they were trying to form the new Soviet man. And they're forming man in the image of a fallen world, essentially. Communism always claims to be an almost salvific ideology. It forwards a worldly utopia, which, of course, as Catholics, we know is impossible. And that is really where the crux of its main error lies in that we are in a fallen world. Of course, we have been redeemed through Christ's blood, but we will never achieve perfection here on this Earth. We store up our treasure in heaven for the next life. Communism inverts that entire cosmology, It denies the existence of God and says instead, you can have perfection and utopia here on Earth. Ironically, it never achieves this because we've seen that the death count of communism in The tens and hundreds of millions over the past century alone is evidence enough that this is not the worldly utopia that they claim to achieve and it's because they have these foundational principles wrong Um, communism people make the mistake as you alluded to that it's primarily just economic and as I hope to illustrate through this book it really has this almost demonic undertone to it religion was heavily targeted by communist regimes the world over so astonishingly the playbook against the Catholic Church is pretty uniform, despite geographic and temporal disparities between these countries and these individuals that I spoke to. And it's this playbook that really reveals the true nature of communism.
1: It's interesting because you know how with the LGBT movement, for instance, um, there was always this talk about how uh, members uh, would be you know, harming themselves and they were doing all these bad things and getting these psychological problems. But they always blamed it on those who would say no, the behavior is against nature and you're harming yourself and it's causing the problem. But the homosexual activists rather would say no, 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 it's not. It's only you. The whole reason why we're experiencing guilt and shame and killing ourselves is all because you're condemning us. We have to stomp out that condemnation. Therefore, we'll be finding good. We know that didn't work because if you go to Switzerland and other countries where homosexuality is celebrated and has been for decades, they've still got the same suicide rate. But the question is, is there some similarity there with communist countries? Uh, the reason why this is not working is because we have those darn Catholics or, or people who believe in God, some you know God in the sky, that are stopping us from achieving our utopia.
3: Yes, that's a great parallel that you make. And of course, that's the argument that the communists use. Catholics were often accused of being wreckers, which is a term that basically accuses them of sabotaging the communist project economically. Also, a very major charge often leveled against Catholics was counter-revolutionary. And this is because not only we believe things that are antithetical to the communist project, but also because of the existence of the Vatican as a sovereign state, they would try to claim that Catholics were foreign agents. So they always find a way to make it the fault of the supposed fifth column that their own ideology is failing at its own purported ends.
4: For two years now, we have been witnessing a global coup d'etat in which a financial and ideological elite has succeeded in seizing control of part of the national government public and private institutions, the media, the judiciary, politicians and religious leaders. I invite all those who want to defend the traditional Christian society to meet together in an international forum to be held as soon as possible in which representatives of various nations come together to present a serious, concrete, and clear proposal. My appeal is made to political leaders and to rulers who care about the good of their citizens, leaving aside the old system of political parties and the logic imposed by a system enslaved to power and money. I call the Christian nation together from East to West, inviting head of state and the healthy forces of institutions, the the economy, labor, university, healthcare and information to join a common project, disrupting the old system and putting aside the hostility, that are designed by the enemies of humanity in the name of divide et impera. We do not accept our adversaries' rules, because they are made precisely to prevent us from reacting and organizing an effective and incisive opposition. I call upon nations and their citizens to ally them, themselves under the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, the only King and Saviour, the Prince of Peace, Inoxinio Vinces. Let us found this anti-globalist alliance. Let us give. It is a simple and clear program. And let us free humanity from a totalitarian regime that brings together in itself the horrors of the worst dictatorships of all time if we continue to delay if we do not understand the threat that looms over us all if we do not react By organizing ourselves into a firm and courageous resistance, this infernal regime that is establishing itself everywhere will not be able to be stopped. And may the almighty God assist us and protect us.
1: Hey my friends, are you still looking for a Christmas gift for that someone special on your list who seems to have everything? Well, i got something for you. We've got these beautiful silver rounds. They're one ounce of pure silver. And on it is, of course, a picture of LifeSite commemorating our 25th anniversary, but also the anniversary of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Perfect little gift for that person on your list who has everything. God bless you. There are prophecies that talk about also a false prophet coming. Uh, it's in the scriptures as well that um you know there would be a false prophet many saints have suggested that that false prophet would be a pope i don't think we've had a better contender than pope francis um and what will that mean we won't know until the false prophet were to point to like an antichrist and say that that's god that's the ultimate um have you ever heard of that prophecy? What, what do you make of this idea? Have you ever heard of the idea that Francis might be the false
5: prophet? I've, I've heard it, and I'm, I wouldn't even for two seconds think to be an expert expert on it. One thing, you can correct me if I'm wrong, one thing that I always understood about this false prophet is he was going to be something like Felsenberg in the Lord of the, the Lord of the World, you know, where he was going to be so brilliant. And so incredible that the that everyone, as the prophecies say, even the elect will be deceived. That's for Antichrist himself. Yes, yeah, so exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I would I would apply the same thing to the false prophet. Oh, okay. There's going to be a deception that's gonna fall that everyone's gonna fall for it. Um, and what I've noticed with Francis is from the moment he got in, nobody's fallen for it. Now you have the Nancy Pelosi's and you have the you know, terrified bishops who are too afraid to, to resist him. But think about, and this maybe you talked about my my years of experience, I have never seen Greater unity. I mean, Raymond Arroyo and, and Robert Royal and, and, and Father Murray sound like Remnant columnists now over there on EWTN, which used to be Neo Catholic Center Central. You know, um, I've never seen so much agreement that we have a massive problem in the church. So again, if you, you can correct me on that, if that's not at all any part of the false prophet um, prophecy, but it seems to me that Francis has done just the opposite of what the false prophet is supposed to do, and that's deceive the world, set up for the Antichrist. Instead everyone's going, what is going on Though, You know how when we were kids we learned that a priest who loses the faith and it's an interior thing and he's not malicious at all, um, but he still wills to do what the church wants him to do with respect to the, to the mass. Yeah. But that mass is still valid. So it would be a question of how cognizant is Francis of the errors of his ways? Uh, Is he just thinking in his mind that he wants to be pastoral and get divorced and remarried and gay people feeling better about themselves so they can come to the Lord? Well, I mean, I don't think so, but but it's difficult to know for sure. So when you talk about conversion, um, you need to come back fully to a full appreciation of what it means to be a Catholic. And I think that's what Cardinal Muller and some of the others are saying, that this is not Catholic anymore. You need to stop. But that doesn't necessarily mean... Uh, he, he He has lost his office or he ceased membership in the church because he's wayward for a time. Like we have to give even the Pope the time for the grace to work on him that's why it's so important that we pray for him that he might convert and come back and if he converts and comes back like John the twenty second did or like Pius the ninth they thought he was going to be a liberal and said he can well this would be a, a wonderful beautiful thing. So we do have to pray for the Pope because if he came back and thwarted the efforts of the World Economic Forum and the United Nations and everybody else, That's a massive victory for us. But I agree with Bishop Schneider that we should pray for him to convert fully to to an understanding of what it means to be Catholic.